Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Woff. We have number three in April Fooled. Yeah, we do. Did you guys enjoy movie number two? Uh, or the episode or whichever? <laughs> whichever thing. I'd say the episode anyway. I mean, uh, I can tell you I enjoyed the episode more than I enjoyed the movie. Uh, fair, fair. Of the four movies that we were covering, this is one that I'd seen the least. I've seen the other three numerous times. This is the first time I've, I've returned to it since seeing it in the theater. Yeah, me too. This is the one I said, hey, I actually guessed based on the trailer that I know what happens. In it. And in full disclosure here, when I say that, the only thing I guessed was that he was a patient. I didn't know anything else. But this is quite an enjoyable movie for beginning to end. Dude, right? I mean, this is for the four movies, right? This is probably the biggest surprise i mean i i know that you, i know how you you didn't love it i mean i did like it i i it, to me it was a to me it's the best movie scorsese's made since bringing out the dead and i did like it but i hadn't seen it again because again it's a sort of you know i labeled it as a once the cat's out of the bag right what's the point right but <laughs> but dude is this not the biggest surprise like the like watching it and being like oh yeah this is a fucking good movie well, yeah, it's it's the it falls under the same category as six sense does is like you you the deterrent to watch it again was like, I know the twist, but because you know the twist, you're, again, for me anyway, and, and I guess for you, for Sixth Sense, it was, is there anything else outside of that? And fuck yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, dude, this movie's fun. Yeah. There's so much. I mean, it's got all the classic elements of, you know, like I was saying before we got on the mic of like the, that period of Hitchcock, that late 50s, early 60s yeah. period of Hitchcock with that big score that seems like a Bernard Herman score, but it's not. Right. <laughs> And speaking of the score, by the way, how dope is that? You and I are both commenting on the score that prompted me to kind of dig a little. There is no actual original score. Yeah, it's weird. Robbie Robertson was, who's done, who's worked quite a bit with, with Scorsese. Obviously, they've known each other the since Last the Last Waltz. Right. But everything you hear in this movie sonically, as far as music goes, is was pre-recorded and curated by Robbie Robertson for the movie. That was wild to me because it, it just fits yeah. so well. Right. And uh, you don't get that a lot and with, with movies. I just, you ever have, a, uh, have an original score where we, the, the composer's told, we're looking for something like this. Well, they just said, fuck it, and, <laughs> and, and did what they did. Right. When I went and looked at Spotify and Apple Music, and I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy. And uh, by the way, it sounds amazing on headphones, the soundtrack. You just... You can visualize those moments, those key moments. But you, like you said, the music in this really fits within that whole visual of being very Hitchcockian from, from oh, yeah. that, that, the late 50s stuff. Like you're, everything about this movie is so enjoyable. Even though you know the twist, it's like, who gives a shit? Right. Exactly. Like the, the twist at the end does not spoil the journey to get there. And also, I mean, it feels earned. Like right. I feel oh, like 100%. I feel like, when you yeah. get there, you're like, God yeah. damn it, man. 
And it, and it kind of is open to interpretation, right? Like we talked, there's there's right. a couple ways to interpret that ending, and I don't want to I don't want to go into what my theory is because you know, again, this is a movie maybe people haven't seen as much, right? As, yeah, uh, you know, I, I would guarantee they haven't seen it as much as they've seen The Sixth Sense or probably Usual Suspects, but maybe. I mean, I know that Scorsese has a giant following, but I feel like this is a movie that people kind of don't. I mean, again. I saw it in the theater and I liked it a lot. Right. And then I never saw it again because I just associated like, well, I know the twist, but like going back to that first shot of them on the boat coming to the Island. Right. That the reveal of the, I do, <laughs> I literally was excited. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> the poster for this movie, when I fucking opened it up before I, uh, the thumbnail, when I, when I pulled up on Paramount plus, I was, I weirdly got excited. Right. What was the, which one are they using for that? By the way, are they using them with the match. Yes, the yeah. one with the match, the yeah. theatrical uh, little one sheet. Even though we're, it did decent dollars, I mean, decent. It did $300 million worldwide. And, and I'm bringing that up from the standpoint of how many eyes actually have seen this movie. Going on 13 years, you most likely saw it on DVD if you didn't see it in the theater. But I have to say, man, I, I, I wish I would have seen this a second time in the theater. You Me know, too. Um, I would go, this is a movie I'm going to lobby, dude. If it comes anywhere, we should go see it. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm, 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 I will take the day off from work to make sure I can go. Right. This cast is just, aren't the usual Scorsese, you know, I mean, look, we, we seen DiCaprio work with them three times, four times. Ooh. Shutter Island. Departed. Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Um, Gangs in New York. Gangs in New York. I think that's four. I think that's it. Aviator. Ava, so five. Holy shit. He's worked on yeah. a lot more than I thought. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I forgot. I always forget about Aviator. That's another, that's another one of those Scorsese movies that just deserves another look. Yeah. It's a dude. I haven't. Yeah. It, it, it's a movie I saw once and you know, have never seen it again. As much as we do really like the movie a lot, we both kind of agree that it is a little on the long side. Right. I feel like maybe there's room, but then I was like, well, what would they, what would they cut out? And I mean, I would have to go right. back through and like, and then I'm like, well, it's only, it's two hours and 18 minutes. Maybe it's not that long. It, it you know, I was, I guess for a Scorsese film, <laughs> that's relatively short. <laughs> yeah. And it does move at a great, at a decent pace. I just felt like there, there's some trimming that could happen. Like in some of the George, uh, you know, when he's looking for, when they're in the, uh, when, when they're off in the, Cell block C. And, oh, right, right. When you know, yeah, when, they kinda, when he loses the power and everything, he's running out the matches. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a little I bit mean, There's a little bit going on there. It's a little bit on the long side. But I mean, but now you're just frame fucking at that point. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe, so, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's a perfect length. Right, <laughs> right. Because what does 139 turn into? 138? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, cares? Everybody is pulling their weight in this movie. There, there is not a bad performance in this movie. And everybody is clearly on board, f- having a good time, playing these type of roles like dude i love ruffalo (laughs) there's a point where i looked at him and i was like yeah and i was like god he's kind of looks like desi arnaz at this point like he could play desi arnaz in a desi luzi movie you had said that to me before i had watched it again and i was like when as soon as i see him on the boat i'm like holy shit (laughs) right yeah totally dude i would have never that's somebody i would never guess like yeah yeah make him be desi arnaz in in a biopic that works Right, I was thinking like, dude, like if I could just recast Mambo Kings, I would just, uh, you know, I'd flip him into the Banderas part. Yeah, this is that rarity too, where Scorsese's working off existing literature. Right. Um, this is Dennis Lehane's novel, and you guys know him from. Well, he's had a lot of adaptations over the years. Um, Gone Baby Gone, Mystic River, mm-hmm. 
Boardwalk Empire was turned into a series for HBO. So he's he's had a lot of really and, and there's a substantial his and his work is pretty substantial um, on on the oh, yeah. literature side, like in a big way. And I'm 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 only hitting the highlights. There's some good a lot of other things that have been adapted for screen, but I assure you, nothing. I mean, this didn't he write for didn't he do write for the Wire also? Uh, yeah, do it well. Also, if you if you have Apple Plus, I mean, right now uh, Blackbird. Oh right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's very Boston centric too. I feel like, you know, a lot of his stuff takes in, you know, takes place in, in the new England area. Right. Which fits. uh, (laughs) Yeah. No, no. I mean, dude, and and this movie is so God, dude, it's so much fun. Like it's, it's kind of bananas. Like, right. Like it's like, it looks beautiful too. Holy shit. Yeah. The colors are so rich and in the design of the film, the costume design, dude, the way that the two marshals are, you know, when uh, Teddy and uh, Chuck show, <laughs> dude, they're the way they're dressed. I mean, it's all, they made this nailed it. This movie is like, I don't know how this movie didn't win a bunch of Oscars for, you know, production design and costume design. Right. Uh, I would have to go back and look and see what beat it out. But I, I got to say, I bet, I bet it's not better than this. <laughs> no. <laughs> like you said, across the board, there's so much good stuff in this as far as the looks. And Dante Ferretti was the production designer on it. Have you worked with anybody that's on this team? Because for some reason, I feel like you've talked. Maybe just maybe just we've just talked about Dante like in passing. I have worked with some of the people. Like, I mean, yeah. the prop people I know. And I know some guys who were greensmen. I know some of the construction, like prop makers and stuff on this show. Right. And then th- that's something I noticed too during the credits. There are a lot of fucking people and props. Dude, there's some great miniature work in this fucker too. Seriously. The whole time, like when you when you watch period movies like this and, you, and it's something I think is neglected when people are talking about them is what does it take to make it feel authentic? It isn't just cars. People only think the cars and the clothes, but it goes right. definitely beyond that. It's more than wigs and wallpaper. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Phrases I've never heard before. I'm sure you've said that many, many times. <laughs> I say it all the time man, when I'm watching a period movie. I'm like, oh, it's a wigs and wallpaper. Fucking disaster. <laughs> but this is not one of those. And across the board, I mean, everything about it, like we, like we noted... The, how it looks, Robert Richardson is the DP on this, and he's a longtime collaborator with with Martin Scorsese as well as Quentin. Oliver Stone. Yeah. He's quite the chameleon, too, when it comes to his work. His stuff doesn't always look the same. Like, I even had to stop and look. I'm like, wait, did Richardson do this? It, it was just because it was an association thing. It wasn't because I felt like I've seen this kind of thing before. Right. Again, he's another one of those guys that can... He just does what works best for the project. He's not a calling card kind of DP. That's always the stuff that we seem to lean into more. Guys that do what's best for the project and not worry about their ego and <laughs> that kind of thing. This fucking movie looks authentic. You know, the costumes look fantastic. I mean, it, it's just one of those movies, like, I, I, I think that fits our whole moniker best. You know, when you consider the, the theme of the month is what? April Fool, and if we remember a movie being better or better remembered for the theme, it kind of work against each other, right? But I've I've found so far now, (laughs) the first and third movies really fits in with the motto of the show. And man, I remember liking it, but I don't remember enjoying it. I don't did not enjoy it the way I did the second time. Again, disappointed I didn't see it in the theater again, but 
the transfer on, on P plus looks fucking great too. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, I, I was going to say down to the smallest performances in this movie, yeah. like when they first show up, you know, and, and they're walking through the courtyard and, you know, the, the, the patients are out there and they're, they're doing, there's guards and there's patients doing like, you know, walking around in the sun and robes and, you know, some of them are doing some trimming and then the one woman, she's in handcuffs and she puts her finger up to, you know, gives him the shush. I mean, dude, right. <laughs> that, that could be so heavy handed and not good, but dude, it's so good. And she's so disturbing and right. like, and his reaction to her is, I mean, I mean, I'm just talking down to the smallest little bits. And I mean, there's so many great actors doing just little bits in this movie, man. Right. Patricia Clarkson shows up She's as one of so the Rachels. Good. She's so good. Yeah. Cave Rachel, as I called her. <laughs> right. And then, dude, God, that scene with them in the cave is fantastic. It she's is. so fucking good. Yeah, she's she's wonderful. Ted Levine uh, as the warden. Right. <laughs> that scene I was talking about steals the movie, dude. You know which one I'm talking yes. about. <laughs> yes. Dude, I love it Like when he just rolls up in the car. Yes. <laughs> so good. If I, if I was to bite your eyeball, I'm <laughs> like, what the yeah. fuck? Elias Coteus, he's yeah. in this. John Carroll Lynch. Dude, it's like this movie is- It's like a bunch of people from Zodiac. And you cough and their moment is over. They're gone. Yeah. I, I think that Jackie Earl Haley probably has the longest of the names you just mentioned outside. Well, maybe Ted Levine. But Levine's presence, and we talked about this again pre-Mike, that he's just so fucking good. The way he just carries himself. Um, and now is this- 2010 was this is still in the middle of Monk, right? Yeah, this is probably like toward yeah toward the end of Monk, maybe yeah. like or you know maybe getting closer to the end of Monk. But yeah, dude, he's full on you know yeah doing Monk at this point. Yeah. The other thing we didn't talk about are the are the two doctors at this fucking yes. uh, hospital for the criminally insane. Yes, who both seem like they could be criminally insane. Kingsley and Max Van Sydow. I now, mean, dude, how, I mean, how great is that? Dude. We, we get those two guys. I laugh so hard because here we are talking about this island for the criminally insane. I'm like, hey, the last time we saw Max Van Sydow playing that, it was in Strange Brew. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I love all of the stuff, the, the flashback stuff in here. Like, you oh, know, yeah. when, when uh, Teddy's having, you know, he's having these moments, he's remembering the war and- I mean, it, it, because it's kind of a misdirection. I mean, but it, it does have stuff. It does have something to do with, you know. But again, the the way that the story unfolds, you're never really sure what's really going on. I mean, you kind of knowing the end. I'm now. I'm not worried about like what's going to happen. I was kind of able to enjoy the movie <laughs> more than, you know, waiting for like okay, you know. I let that go. And and there's a, like there's like a whole other movie in there that I don't remember right. seeing uh, when I saw it the first time. Yeah, I, that was me throughout the whole movie where I was like, I don't remember any of this. I don't remember this. I don't remember this. And I thought to myself, this must be how you felt watching Six Sense. No, 100%. I guarantee it is. <laughs> oh, I don't want to forget to talk about him. Chris Denham in this too. Fuck. It's like there's so many, uh, all these character actors who you recognize but don't know by name necessarily. Oh, yeah. Is are there in there? I, I didn't want to. I'd be feel remiss not to mention him because he's he's fantastic in it too. But I think like everybody, well, everybody, dude, Michelle is, Williams, right? Emily Mortimer, we were talking about before. I mean, dude, Michelle Williams, the scenes with her yeah. are so just like 
fucking eerie and weird, especially right. that last sequence, like right. I said. And DiCaprio just looking at her and that, the way he delivers that line, it's just like, holy shit. When they're at the lake, is that what we're referring to right now? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. What, what we've seen, here's the thing. It's like, it's this, that's the best way. I'm trying to reword this right without sounding, like without ruining anything, but I guess we have to say certain things to kind of get, get past that part of it. Well, where Leo is, you know, Teddy Daniels, right? We we talked about the fact that this is the the once he steps away from Teddy Daniels and he's having that scene at the lake. I'll just say it that way. It's probably the best way to say it. Michelle Williams, the way she her performance is so different than what she's been doing earlier in the movie, and it's, it's because oh, yeah. because Leo is. He's he's looked past the this this facade that he's been living, his delusion he's been living in, and he says he's his real self right now. So he remembers her differently, and because he remembers her differently, Michelle like shifts her performance, and it's just so different. She's saying almost the same things, but she's doing right. it in such a different way. I'm like, God, you come a long way since Dawson's Creek, girl. <laughs> just yeah, say dude, that. Right? I mean, she she's a fantastic actress, man. Yeah. And it's funny because I honestly had forgotten that she was in the movie. Yeah. I, I when she showed up, I was like, oh right, she plays his wife. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, again, thirteen years ago, right? Saw this movie. Right. And again, I mean, I I I've always liked it. Like when people, you know, like it's it's high on my list of, uh, you know, Scorsese post Goodfellas. Right. I mean, there's so many great scenes. Um, there's another one. Uh, there's a moment when um, Teddy comes back and he's confronting Dr. Collie. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, my partner. And he's like, what? When he's pipe and he's like, what partner? <laughs> yeah. Puffs a cloud of smoke and he's standing there sort of engulfed in this ring of smoke. And, you know, he's, and he, and he said, I've done, a, I've, I've, I've done a lot to get this thing where it is. And, I'm not going to give it up and uh, you're not, but I mean the way, the way it plays is like, there's some fucking evil shit at foot, you know, but it's not really. He's no. just like, you know, what we, what we find out is it's radical treatment that he's, you know, it, it, but it's, it, it's, and then I was like, and then I was watching and I was like, what the fuck? What, what was he really? You know, like I didn't remember. I, they had me right there. I was like, what would that, so was Ruffalo? Like, no, wait, he's got, he's here somewhere. Right. He because, has to, but then he doesn't show up until, you know, the next time we see him, he's in the office with Kingsley. And there's that weird scene where he pulls a gun on him and he shoots Kingsley. And <laughs> what a great film trick. Yeah. It's funny. We were, we were talking about how good Ruffalo is in this and going through the, you know, the trivia and just trying to find something that just sounded fun and unique and just, because usually, usually with trivia, it's always the same shit, right? But, I mean, this is 2009 when this was probably going to pre-production and casting was happening. Well, Ruffalo got the part because he sent Scorsese a fan letter so much how much he wanted to work with him. Really? Yeah. <laughs> how wacky is that? That's wild. Yeah. It's not like he wasn't already a kind of an established actor at that point. Yeah, I mean, he'd been making waves. He'd been doing his thing. Um but yeah, well, I mean, he'd been in Zodiac. He'd been in like Collateral. I mean, he'd been in some big movies. Yeah, and something else already. Yeah, is- right. And it's funny that he would be. Um, wow. Okay, so let me correct myself. Two thousand eight, it was shot. It wasn't shot in two thousand nine. Right. 
That's crazy. The two two years to come out. That's a long time. Probably started, you know, in 2008. It was probably a close to a hundred day shoot or who knows. I mean, so, or, you know, 75, 80 day shoot. I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. Four months is a long time. <laughs> and then to edit and put this all together in a way that makes, you know, sense. There's some great quotes in this movie from these characters and, just looking back through it. And I mean, dude, like you get Jackie Earl Haley shows up and this is during that point where Jackie Earl Haley, was starting to show up in like everything, right? Like <laughs> I think it was this right around the time, little children right after little children. And you know, Jackie Earl Haley had a mini comeback in, in 2010. He played Freddy Krueger that year, maybe. And uh, he was in Watchmen the year before. He's great. He was great in Watchmen. He's in one scene and it's a, but it's great. Like that scene is great. I mean, you get that. See, that's the way you should do it if you're going to dump exposition, dude. Yeah. <laughs> dump it to me that way. And it's coming from somebody that is, you're assuming is completely out of his mind. You, you don't, you don't really buy anything in, into anything he's saying. Not with you any. You can't. You can't. Uh, but he's, he literally gets the straight shit for him <laughs> right there, too. And that's, but Teddy doesn't want to hear it. Teddy's not ready to hear it yet. No, he's not. That's, that's the thing is, and we discuss the way that we discover all this too is, you know, the way that, you know, lattice, the whole, that whole thing. And, you know, that's, oh God, dude, that sequence where he beats the living shit out of, uh, it's, he beats up George, right? That's George noise that he attacks on the stairs. Right. Like yeah. When he's like, we're supposed to catch him, not kill him. <laughs> yeah. Another gem delivered by Ruffalo. Yeah. He, he beats him up pretty good. Do the, how about the makeup on Elias? Oh yeah, I mean it's amazing. I, I the whole bit where he was just playing off like like right in Teddy's head. Lightus is this guy that that burnt his down his apartment, but in his apartment that he lived in, right? And so he the the, the lines that they give him to say are just so cutthroat I and mean, just like it's just rough, man. Just really, just not just. Not just mean spirited or evil, it just gives you chills. His performance goes along with the lines that are being said too. Just it's just yeah, man. Everybody everybody in this movie that's not Ruffalo and Leo just feels like they're out to get him. The both of them. But the balance that Scorsese created along with the the script, you never let in on the fact that this isn't just a straightaway movie. Right. This isn't just a straight movie where there's just some. Right. Like we're going to find out. Yeah. But that's why it feels like a horror movie. I think it's why you were saying that before we got a mic. Is it, this is a horror movie or is this, or is this a psychological thriller? And it's, it depends on where you look, you know, how it's listed, but that's why it feels like a horror movie. You just feel like that's what's happening here. You, it's just through the sense of dread. Yeah. In every frame of this movie, right? Yeah. You're you're just not sure. It, what, what what I think it does really well is it keeps you on the edge in a way like you don't know how things are going to go. <laughs> you right. don't. Because right. I, I, I'm watching it and I'm feeling like everybody in the movie is expendable except for maybe DiCaprio. That's how it was. That's that's how I watched it. Because you don't know. I mean, dude, you don't know if Ruffalo. I mean, they could have killed Ruffalo. I mean, you don't. I mean, especially the first time I saw this, I was like, "Wow, where the fuck is this going?" Like, and what you know? Right. It just had like you know. I thought they were going to be running like weird Nazi experiments at one point. Right. It's really a lot of fun. This movie. You know. You know, it's funny because like a lot of times I feel like when we're going to cover something, I I look at things and I'm like, ah, it's a chore. 
Right. Like, God, do I really, why did we pick this movie? But I, <laughs> right. not with this one, man. I'm, no. I'm, I'm super excited that we picked this movie and I'm super excited that we didn't uh, switch it up, that we didn't switch this out. Man, we almost did too. We almost had to switch it out just for, because for it wasn't available. accessibility. And I said, we said, let's, let's just go ahead and wait until April 1st and see what happens. <laughs> and sure enough, we got, yep. ironically, we bang Paramount plus. There it was. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it was too because I'll, I'll go ahead and say what the other movie was. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, dude. I would. I would look. I'm going to tell you, I enjoy this way more than I would have enjoyed that. Oh yeah, that and that. I don't need another screen to tell me that. <laughs> no, I no, I not at all. Donnie Darko was the other movie. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, exactly. Which was really funny considering how how often people use Donnie Darko like memes and and gifts and stuff for Easter, <laughs> which is. Just happened. Well, anyway. to me, the best thing about Donnie Darko is Patrick Swayze shows up. Sure. <laughs> I mean, part, really. The best part of the movie is when the engine lands in this Credits room and, it's, and the movie's over. <laughs> this movie, dude, like there, there's some sequences in this movie. Like I, like we talked about earlier, like the, um, where he's, uh, he climbs down the cliff face. Yeah. Like Russell yeah. was like, no, there's no fucking, you're going to fucking die. Right. He's like, I gotta go. I'm like, you're going to die. <laughs> like, right. Dude, that is, that's, it's hairy, dude. It really, it pulls right from vertigo. Oh yeah. Hitchcock's vertigo. Right. I always thought that like when they do vertigo and you're, and you're doing the whole, and they're doing the, the effect. And so you can feel like how James Stewart feels, right. That it's intentionally cartoony. Yeah. Hitchcock knows that he has a limitation with the effects to make it look real. So I'm going to go ahead and make it look a little surreal and a little, a little disorienting. That's how I felt like what I was going to expect when I saw this. I got reminded about it, right? Like when they're walking through and they're and um, they're talking about how jagged the rocks are, like nobody can go down there, and it's all it's all fucked up. You know, like when they're trying to find uh, Rachel one, and um, but no, it looks so real between yeah, the, oh yeah, you know, it's. That's why I think with the, it felt like like I don't think there's green screen. I mean, there's got to be, but just because, just for the nature of of time, you know, and it, it just it, green screen yeah. and 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 uh, digital backgrounds. That's all. It's the only way that pulls it off. But it doesn't. But I can't see this movie. I if you would have just all of a sudden be on set and turn off the 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 playback of the blue or the green screen, whatever they're using, I wouldn't know where it was placed. You know, I'm pretty sure there's some matte paintings in this though. Yeah. I think you're probably right. It could be a combination of the two. Yeah. I think it is definitely. Yeah. I think this was actually the last movie he shot entirely on film Scorsese. I'm sure that has a lot to do with how, how it looks a certain way. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I guess I would say, yeah, that's 2010. I would say so. I would say that's a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't even have to, I won't even debate enough to Google it. <laughs> I don't need to do that. Chris Denham, is he the is he the dude that he is fucking interviewing, right? The guy who fucking the fucking nurses face off? Yes. He's scribbling in the notepad and the dude's like, stop that. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Yeah. What a crit that's such a weird scene, man. It I mean, is. again, all like all these scenes, everybody's doing everybody's doing heavy lifting. There's not like, you know, there's not somebody nobody's carrying anybody in this. No. Things. Not at all. But everything that is in this, even though again, that's why it's sometimes you think that uh, when you know, and that's something too, it's kind of a drag when you do know how long a movie is <laughs> at a time, it does, it does take right. away from, but, but when you get to the end of it, like we just discussed a few minutes ago, 
you know, all right, so you shave a little bit, so you shorten it by a minute. It was a minute. Right. You know, at that point, you just leave it the way it is. And and we're like, you know, we're probably wrong. <laughs> so Right. Well, exactly. I'm not Martin Scorsese. And obviously it needed to be as long as it is because not and that's not true in every case. But in this the, in the case of this movie, I can't in my mind think, well, what should I clip? What would I have clipped? I couldn't really think of anything. I mean, no. I was like, no, everything kind of plays out the way you would want it to play. And nothing really see, dude, what I will say, and I got to say, it cause this trailer keeps rolling on my screen. This is the best reveal of Kong Island since 1933 <laughs> or skull Island. I do what you meant. I mean, I just laugh that first shot where they look at the Island. I was like, Oh shit. And I wonder if that's intentional. Like, right. Like that's just another nod. Sure. I, I could, I could see that. I was speaking of the trailer and the woman with all the, all the hair loss and creepy looking when she's in the garden, yeah. she kind of gives him the shush. Yeah. I, right. And you think she's going to be in there more. And again, that's the, why the trailer gives you that horrific dread that you have when you see, you know, a horror movie or that kind of thing. It, it feels, they set it up that way perfectly. And then when you get there, Mike, you still got the mixed bag of horror, but like you noted, it's, it's very Hitchcockian uh, across the board and, and, it's super clever, but unlike the previous movie that we covered, it doesn't feel like people are patting each other on the back. No, not at all. Look, I mean, look, dude, this is this is a lot of fun. This is more than a than an April Fooled movie. This is not a gimmick movie. This is a movie you can totally enjoy uh, multiple viewings because there's a lot to there's a lot to take in. There's a lot to like about this movie. I mean, they do everything right. I mean, yeah. it, it's beautifully crafted movie by you know by somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> He's had lots of practice, but yeah, man, I, dude. And this movie does to me what uh, I think we had talked about earlier, what Cape Fear doesn't do, uh, you know? I mean, the, to me, this I would take this over Cape Fear. Like, oh, sure. I, I only say that these are the same, similar type movies because Cape Fear was a remake of a 1960s, you know, noir thriller. But God, this movie's so good. I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. No. There's nothing else to say about it. It's pretty fucking great. <laughs> yeah, just fucking watch it. It's on Paramount Plus. It's on Paramount Plus. And freebie. There's not much more we can say about the movie. It's, it's got a cast that everybody doesn't waste a moment in the movie. Everybody delivers. Every, I mean, it, everybody is A-level across the board. Would you, say, would you say this is our Snake Eater 3 for the month? Yeah. Didn't I make a joke about that? No, you I, did. Yeah. And I, th I but I said it was six cents. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but this is very similar. You know, you got you got some people wandering around without shoes on. Sure, <laughs> that one I too. mean, the thing about this movie is that it's, it's super enjoyable. Yeah, no matter if you've seen it, and you know, you know the, uh, the the you know the big spoil. I don't want you know it's not a spoil. Everybody's kind of aware of what happens, but right. the big twist. But it's not all about the twist. It's nope. about the journey to the twist. One hundred. Yeah, and they, and they nail it. Yep. But a surprise, though, too, right? It's like yeah, you, you give me Scorsese under, you know, just a lick over two and a half hours, and, you know, I'm not going to be bored. I'm not going to say, no. hey, Thelma, can you cut this a little bit? No. You know? <laughs> There's never a moment in this movie that I was like, oh, they could, you know, that, oh, really, let's get through, you know. Right. I, I was genuinely interested in everything that everybody was saying. Yep. 100%. I agree. Yeah. So there you go. If you want to follow the show on the socials, it's at Karate Pod on Twitter, Insta, and on Letterbox. If you want to follow Corey on Letterbox, it's Corey underscore Culp, or on Instagram, it's Culprit97. 
Baby, why are you all wet? <laughs> if you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram, or you can follow me as Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom Teddy Daniels Cody at Letterboxd. I think you heard me. <laughs> <laughs>